0: We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. This morning I want to
1: talk to you again about vision. Can you see it? We've talked about over the last few Sundays the fact that when we have the vision of Jesus Christ, when we see what he sees, when we're motivated by what motivated him, then we realize we exist for those who aren't here yet. It's not about us. It's about them. And it's about showing the love of Jesus Christ to those who are not yet here. Secondly, we talked about when we have the vision of Jesus Christ, we understand what we're asking people to believe. We're asking them, in fact, to come and die, to lay your life down and pick up the life of Christ and live for him. And that sometimes can be a difficult thing. And number three this morning, we're talking about when we have the vision of Jesus Christ, when we see what he sees, when we're moved by what he's moved by, then we have a responsibility to glorify God by making disciples of all nations, of all peoples, of all tribes and linguistic groups, of all races and all colors as a part of the kingdom of God. You know, years ago before Yvonne and I came here and when we decided to go back and take another church as senior pastors, we made the commitment that we will not go to a church that only reflects one particular group. We wouldn't do that. The churches I pastored in the past all became multicultural, but we wanted a place where everybody was welcome. And can I tell you, this church is the greater representation of that fact in the city of Tallahassee. You need to look at someone around you and say, we're doing what God's called us to do because all nations are coming to Jesus Christ. All nations are coming to this place to become disciples of the Lord. So in Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20, these are the last words that Matthew recorded of Jesus Christ. He said these things, and Jesus came and spoke to them, speaking of the disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. When we read that passage of scripture, we recognize this is the vision that Jesus is casting for his church. You can go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And you can hear him say again his last words to the disciples in this particular instance after he's risen from the dead and he's completing his 50 days here on planet earth before returning to heaven. He said these words, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We need to understand the purpose for the power of the Spirit of God in us is to make us a witness for Jesus Christ. It's to make us evangelists for Jesus Christ. He makes it very, very, very clear. We've talked about Proverbs 29, 18, where the scripture says, where there is no vision, the people perish. I think many times this is taken out of context or improperly interpreted. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation says where there is no revelation, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint." When you read that and understand it, it's talking about there is no message from God in the lives of men and women. The Word of God hasn't taken effect in their hearts, and largely because you and I in the church have been silent. And as a result, we see a society that has cast off all restraint. We see a world that has cast off all restraint because there is no Word from God planted into their spirit. Well, there is no revelation. Where the word of God is not active and alive, we cast off all restraint. Many places in the Bible we see that confirmed in 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1. The word of the Lord was precious in those days, but there was no open vision. There was no assimilation of the word into the lives of those people. Lamentation 2.9, her prophets also find no vision from the Lord, no revelation, no word from God that's planted in the hearts of their people. So I can tell you this morning, where there is no vision, where there is no revelation, people perish, people go wild, people cast off restraint because there is no word of God deposited into their lives. We need to understand how powerful that word is and what a responsibility it is for you and I to be spokespersons, to be ambassadors, to be vessels, to be voices for the word of God. In Acts chapter 26, verse 19, the apostle Paul, coming to the close of his life, stands before King Agrippa, and he testifies of his conversion. And the years subsequent to that, following Jesus and doing the work of God. And he says in verse 19 of Acts chapter 26, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You see, I believe God wants all of us to understand the vision of Christ should be ours. When we talk about a vision for the church, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We don't need a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. We need to follow Jesus Christ. What he does, we need to do. What he's declared, we need to proclaim. What he displays, we also need to walk in that power and authority. That's our responsibility. Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So let's look at what he saw. First thing he saw, he saw himself. When Jesus appeared to him on that road to Damascus, and a bright light shined at noonday, so much so it blinded him and knocked him to the ground, he first and foremost saw himself. See, that's the thing none of us want to see. We don't want to see ourselves. We want to see ourselves maybe through a perverted view or through a distorted lens. We need to understand we need to see ourselves as God sees us. What Paul saw that day on the road to Damascus, He saw an arrogant, religious, proud man doing what he thought was his duty, destroying the church, the way, the followers of Jesus Christ. He was convinced that he was right. Have you ever known anybody like that? They're as wrong as midnight, but they're convinced they're right. And buddy, they'll spend all day and all night trying to convince you of the wrongness of their right. None of you ever met anybody like that? My goodness, I'm the only one. I'll share that privilege with you. How about that? It's wonderful. See, Paul was convinced that he was right, even though he was wrong, until God knocked him to the ground and Jesus spoke into his heart. So many times, we're too busy seeing ourselves as religious, as put together, as all that in a bag of chips, when in reality, God says you're self-righteous, you're proud, you're arrogant, you need to fall to your knees and allow me to do a work in you. Paul, first and foremost, saw himself. Secondly, he saw his service. Now understand, he was going in a whole new dimension, a whole new direction when Jesus appeared to him. He was going to arrest Christians and have them locked up, persecuted, and many killed. But when Jesus stopped him and he saw himself, he also received a new assignment. And his assignment was you're going to go to the Gentiles. You'll be an apostle, a preacher, a witness to those that you currently despise. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Amazing how God does that. I could almost see faces this morning when Amy was talking about the block party, when they were talking about the Carney Center opportunity, and we're thinking, "Nah, I don't want to do that. Nah, I don't want to do that. That's just not for me. I don't want to be around all those screaming kids. That's just not for me. It is for you. It is for you. And you need to sign up this morning because if you don't, next Sunday morning, I'll have those sign-up sheets on clipboards. And I'm going to walk them down every aisle and watch until you sign up. How about that? So just get with the program. Put your name out of guest services. And let's move forward. Carney Center, I don't want to go down with those homeless people and have to serve meals. that will probably stink. Yeah, out, probably will. But maybe it'd be good for you. Maybe it's what God wants you to do. Maybe that's the service God is asking of you today. We do a food pantry every Thursday morning. Last year, 26,000 people were fed out of the food pantry on Thursday mornings in cooperation with Good Samaritan, Glenn and Beth Burns. We need to understand that there's opportunity for service there, opportunity for ministry there. If you're free on Thursday morning, come and let us plug you in to a great ministry. He saw his service. Secondly, he saw a separation. He saw that God was separating from everything he knew into a whole new way of life. Listen, friend, we can't have Jesus and. It can't be Jesus and Eastern religion. It can't be Jesus and Islam. It can't be Jesus and uh, all types of self-help groups. It can't be Jesus and. It's Jesus only. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And Paul saw he was being separated to the body of Christ, to the call of God upon his life. And lastly, he saw a vision of Jesus. He saw Christ himself. And that radically changed him. And he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You see, that's the kind of vision I'm trying to pierce into our hearts today, a vision that demands obedience. A vision that requires faith in action. A vision that allows us to be Jesus with skin on to those around us. He said, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. So if we're not going to be disobedient to the vision of Jesus, first we must have a passion for those who don't know him yet. I don't think there's ever been an hour in church history as desperate and as dire as this hour Never been an hour when the church was so callous to the cry of the world and the lostness of mankind that we can come, we can play our little religious games, we can throw our dollar in the offering and feel good about ourselves and go on. Well, all around us, people are dying and going into a devil's hell without the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take a minute and just listen to sermons today. Listen to what they're saying on the radio and on the TV. And you will be convinced as I am that never is there a greater time that we need the vision of Jesus Christ for lost souls. Listen to conversations among believers. Seldom do we talk about missionaries. Seldom do we talk about seeing people born again. Seldom do we talk about the work of evangelism. We need to understand our primary reason to exist is to bring others to Jesus Christ. We exist for those not here yet. Somebody say amen. Amen. God gave Paul that vision. Acts chapter 16 is one of the most dramatic chapters in the Bible. If you've never read it, read it this afternoon. Things happened in Acts chapter 16. People were saved, families were baptized, cities were stirred, earthquakes occurred, prayers were answered, jails flew open, and the work of God proceeded on in Acts chapter 16. But why did that happen? Because in verse 9, these are the words we read, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man in Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come on over into Macedonia and help us. What Paul saw that night, he acted on the next morning. I want you to hear that. They immediately got up and they went to Philippi, which is the main city in Macedonia. Now, he didn't wait. He didn't pray about it. He didn't form a committee. He didn't say, let's think this thing through. Let's look at it from every angle. There may be hostility in Macedonia. No, he got up and immediately obeyed the vision that God gave to him. The man said, come on over and help us. So Paul immediately went that way. Can I tell you the world is still crying? Will somebody come and help us? Will somebody come and help us? The man from Macedonia may not be a Macedonian in your life. He may be a neighbor. He may be a coworker. He may be a family member. But yet at the heart of everything, we are still crying, come and help us. Paul saw the vision, he followed the vision. He went into Macedonia to the city of Philippi, and great revival took place. Matter of fact, the book of Philippians was written to the church that was started there. You need to read that as well. So there's your assignment. People were saved, people were baptized, the church was born. The work of God went on because Paul obeyed the vision. Obeyed the vision. God, give us a vision for lost souls. Let us see as Jesus saw. Listen, if you're interested in what Jesus is interested in, if you're moved by what he's moved by, then you will have a vision for the lost. Matthew 9.36 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion, because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. That's 9.36 in Matthew. Do you know what 37 and 38 say? He looked at his disciples and said, the harvest is white unto harvest. Pray, the Lord of the harvest, that it will send forth laborers into his harvest field. He didn't say wait. He said pray and send. He understood immediate action was required. When he saw the multitudes, he understood their plight. And listen, Jesus didn't see them as prospective members. He didn't see them as oh, there's a tithe payer. He didn't see them, how they could profit him. He saw how his love, his grace, his mercy could invest in them and change their lives. You see, when we see what Jesus sees, when we feel what Jesus feels, we have to be motivated to reach the lost. We are talking about missionary work. Well, I want to tell you that the Christian that says missions is boring, yeah, I'm going to say it as an absolute idiot. He doesn't even know what the kingdom of God is all about. The kingdom of God is about taking the message of the gospel to those who haven't heard. That's what missions is. Why do we drill water wells in Kenya? Because it opens a door. It's a bridge to preach the word of life to those who have never heard. So many people say, well, I don't think that's what we should be spending our money on. What should we be spending our money on? Choir robes? Bigger buildings? New carpet? Come on, church, are you with me this morning? If we see what Jesus sees, if we feel what Jesus feels, we'll be motivated as he was motivated. How many Christians today do you hear talking about revival? You see, we've settled to be the average church. You remember that series overflow. We don't want to be average. We want to be normal. We want to line up with the New Testament church. So what God spoke, we want to do. What Jesus commanded, we want to obey. But the whole world and the religious world is turning away from that. The college I graduated from was the leading college for preachers and missionaries in America for over 60 years. And about five years ago, they closed that college down and merged it into a liberal arts university. And my heart grieved, not because it was my alma mater, but because the mission had changed. Because that particular denomination moved in a different direction. Do you hear what I'm saying? When we stop emphasizing the gospel of Jesus, when we stop teaching and training and encourage people to go and reap the, reap the harvest, we miss the heart of God. We miss the heart of God. I wish today that we could have vision like David Brainerd. Anybody ever heard of him? He was a missionary in the late 1700s. To the American Indians. He actually died at age 29. He was so burdened for Native Americans that he gave his life to reaching them. The color of the skin meant nothing to him. The condition of heart was what was important. I read the story this last week of one old Delaware Indian who followed him wanting to kill him. To cease the voice for the message of the gospel. And that old Indian said, I followed him ready to take his life until I saw him kneel in the snow, lift his hands to God, and say, oh God, whatever it takes, reach these red men for Jesus Christ. Now some of you are just offended because I said, red men, get over it. I am one. I'm going to call us what we are. We need to understand we are so hooked on political correctness that we miss the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to understand it's time to stand up and say, God, whatever it takes, let these people be saved. Died at age 29. We need a vision like David Livingston. David Livingston departed England and went to Africa with only the desire to see men and women come to Jesus Christ. He spent his entire life in the continent of Africa. He braved the rigors of the land, the diseases that racked his body, the fever that almost killed him. But he continued to love and serve God in the vision of Jesus Christ until thousands came to know him as their Lord and Savior. When he died, they found him in his little tent, pup tent, kneeling beside his cot, praying again, Oh God, give me Africa. God, give me Have you ever prayed, God, give me my street? Give me my neighborhood. Give me my office. Give me my city. I challenged you in the email yesterday. It's time to pray for our city. Only God can turn the heart of Tallahassee back towards him. We need a move of the spirit of God. God, give me Africa. When he died, his body was shipped back to England and he was buried in Westminster Abbey. In the center aisle where the kings and the queens and people of very great prominence are buried. But his heart, the Africans said, you can take his body back to England, but his heart remains to Africa. It's given to Africa. His heart was removed from his body and buried under a tree in Zambia because they knew he loved them and died to serve them. I ask you this morning, where is our heart when it comes to the souls of lost mankind? We need a vision like Hudson Taylor. When he went to China after some 20 years in 1880, there were 70 missionaries, 70 preaching stations because he continued to put God first in his life. We need the vision of William Booth when he saw the derelicts and the drunks on the streets of England, said, we need to form a way to reach them. And he formed the Salvation Army. Listen, friend, where there's no vision for the lost, we're off course. We've drifted away. We're not doing what God is asking us to do. Where there's no vision, people perish. And the lack of vision on the part of the church means destruction of men and women. God, give us a vision for souls. Give us a vision like the Apostle Paul, where we see ourselves, where we see our service where we see what God is asking us to do, where we see our role in the kingdom, where we're willing to separate ourselves from all that was to become all that could be, and give us a vision where we see Jesus. Jesus. There are so many ways that we can implement this vision, so many ways that we can take the Word to the world. This morning I want to talk to you as we close about one of those ways. It's called run for the wall. Yvonne and I are involved. We are involved as a church in Mission M25. All of you are familiar with Gary Bird, or most of you are, who started M25 years ago, and it exists to serve the underserved in our country. One of those groups are veterans. Veterans have been overlooked by the church many, many times. Oh, we do a great job celebrating them here on Veterans Day and Memorial Day, but we really don't do anything outside of that. It's a shame that those who have given their time, their energy, some their life, for our freedom of religion, we largely ignore. Or we say they're broken. You know, we send boys into war to fight our battles, but we aren't willing to stand and fight the battles they bring back with them. It's time for the church to do that. One of the ways we do that is through Run for the Wall. Run for the Wall was started 31 years ago. When a Vietnam veteran said, I've got to do something to call attention to the POWs and the MIAs that are still in country, that never came home. So he started a motorcycle ride from Los Angeles. It goes clear to Washington, D.C. And he said, we're going to call attention. We're going to remind our leaders in Washington to bring those boys home. Slogan for run for the wall is we ride for those who can't, who are unable Today I'm going to show you a video from Gary Bird, and I want you to say to yourself, "How can I be involved?" Then I'm going to give you a couple of ideas. Would you please roll that video, the Mission M25 video, please?
2: We believe that when you try to just hand something off in a sterile situation where you're not ever having to deal with the person, that all you're doing is passing on religion. That's religion. And this team, we're committed to building relationships because this is, this is what Jesus is about. To bring people into a hope that they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I tried to make it an endeavor of mine over the last 10 to 12 years not to do anything out of some kind of an agenda, but out of a broken heart. And Room for the Wall uh, is another leg in that journey. Uh, When I heard about Room for the Wall, and being around these guys that are serving, that are, have served our country, and I wanted to minister to them in some way and while we were out there on the run that very first year, a three war veteran asked me, he said didn't we fight for the freedom of religion you know, we had all kinds of organizations that were out there thanking the veteran, but the church wasn't out there, the church does a great job inside the church honoring our veterans, but there was nothing going on outside those four walls. So our first endeavor was simply to go out and to provide water for them. And then we were asked to serve on the chaplain's corps. And then we had the idea of little kids writing cards and making them up and giving them to the soldiers and uh, the veterans. And what a blessing all of this has become uh, over the last five years. The Lord told us to be a light and not a mouth. He told us to just go out there and live the Word. You know, Jesus said that we were to be a light by serving. That's what He did. He said, I came to serve not be served when I went out there as a church there was a little apprehension on their part of, what am I going to say as a church? What what am I going to do as a church? And you know, I've watched it over the past five years. They have understood that we're just there to love them. We're just there to support them. We're there to give them water. And, and if they have a wreck, we're there to pray with them. If they want us to pray with them, we're there to make sure they're taken care of, their family's notified. We're there just to, if they have a pain that they, they just need somebody to cry with, we just sit there and listen to them cry. We don't have any words for them. We're we're not there to give them any answers. We're there just simply to love on them and to serve them. And what we've seen over the past five years of simply loving them, simply serving them, is that they have embraced us with greater trust and and greater love. And and it's allowed us to be more free. And We're still not going to go out there and preach. We're still not going to go out there and thump the What we're going to do is just go out there and love them and let them know that we care. And, And as I meditated that, the Lord began to show me that we were out there serving so that we could see the sick healed, the dead raised. And actually the demons vanish from their life. I hear them over and over talking about the closer we get to the wall, we're going to have to face our demons. And watching God eradicate or begin to move those demons. I'm not going to tell you there was an instantaneous work where demons were cast out. But I watched God help them deal with those demons. I, I had one man that grabbed me by the arm and said, kneel here by the wall with me, and, and we knelt by the moving Vietnam Wall. And he pointed to men that was in his unit, that was under his command, that died. And he talked about how that he had to face the survivor's guilt and that demon that drove him. And watching his tears run down his face and God doing a work in his life. You know, on the Pentagon parking lot this year, I looked at a car and on the hood, it had some memorial pictures. And it said, the greatest casualty is to be forgotten. Let's not do that as a church. Let's don't forget those that secured the right for us to gather together to worship. You know, run for the wall, it was my desire for the church to be identified as saying thank you for the freedom of religion. And you know, anybody can throw their name up somewhere and say thank you, it doesn't take much just to say thank you. But it's when it costs you something. when When you have to pay something, that thank you means more. And I always wanted room for the Wall to, to identify that it was the churches. It wasn't Gary. It wasn't M25. It was the churches. We're not a parachurch ministry. We're a ministry of the church. And there's churches around this country, all over this country, that gave $25,000 or more to honor us and to provide the water for us and to pay for the team and their lodging and their gasoline. And and I want to say thank you as a church uh, for helping us make that statement. And you can continue to help us make that statement. We need your name on that banner. It's not too early to start doing it. So you could put your name on the banner. Whatever you do, pray for us. We need those prayers. We we need those to continue for safety and for our doors to be opened and for God to meet our needs. So uh, please keep the prayers going. If you can just support us financially uh, throughout the year, we would certainly, certainly appreciate it. And uh, we're thankful for what you've done. And we just believe that God is just in the beginning stages. We believe... That our country needs to embrace our freedom of religion. We need to say thank you again to all of these soldiers that have that have fought for us. If we don't, I'm afraid we're going to lose what we have. And we certainly want this land to be continued to be a place where we can worship God as we choose to do. Thank you.
1: That's M25. That's why it's so important to reach veterans today, a part of our society that is largely overlooked and underserved. I'm going to ask uh, those of you in this room today, if you're a Vietnam veteran, would you please stand? I know there's many here this morning. Please stand. If you are a Vietnam veteran, please stand. Others across the room? Yes, they might. They might. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for your service. We appreciate it. I want to get your name, your rank, your place of service, and I'm going to laminate that and tape it to the windshield of my bike, and I'll be riding for you as we do one for the wall this year. Colonel Sanchez, would you stand? Colonel Washington Sanchez works in our veteran community right here in Tallahassee. If you want to be involved, see him after church. You'll have a way to plug you in and involve you in reaching veterans today before you leave this service. So this morning, I haven't preached to those who don't know Christ. I preached to the church. Because I'm convinced until the church is motivated and mobilized, we aren't going to see the harvest that God wants us to see. I'm challenging you as church people to do what God's asking you to do, to stand up and take the word to someone around you. Be that revelation of Jesus Christ that brings hope in hearts and in lives. This morning I'm asking you to do one more thing for me before we conclude. I'm going to ask you to give an offering towards M25 and run for the wall. Several ways you can do this, uh, Yvonne and I have chosen, and we've already sent the check, a $250 check to M25 to have her dad's name put on that banner. He served in World War II, went in three days in Europe after D-Day, and went all the way to Berlin with General Patton in the Third Army. We're going to honor him on that banner. Christian Heritage Church's name will be on that banner because we choose to participate. If you have a loved one, a family member that you want to memorialize on the banner, please let me know that you gave for that reason so that we can make sure it's there. This morning, our ushers are coming. We're going to receive an offering to defray the expenses of Run for the Wall. This year, it's costing uh, M25 $42,000 to support Run for the Wall. That's hydration trucks. That's a chase truck to pick up down bikes. That's the chaplains who ride with uh, each particular group, and we'll be doing that as chaplains with M25. So we encourage you to give this morning. Be liberal, be generous, and know that your gift will make a difference in someone's life, uh, a veteran's life, in the month of May. Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to give into the kingdom of God and expand what you're doing around the world. I pray especially now for our veterans, not just Vietnam veterans, but for every man and woman who has served our country and wore the uniform. I pray that your blessing would be upon their life. I pray that your grace and your mercy would fill their hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would touch them, encourage them, strengthen them, help them, heal them. In Jesus' name, do the works of God within them, we pray. And now multiply the effect of this offering into hundreds, thousands of men and women across our nation who've served our country. We pray this in the name that's above every name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you give. Tom, sing it out, say the name.
0: Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.